Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. As always, we are coming to you from our home base, an Elevation Hotel in Mount Crested Butte. My name is Luke Kappa. I am the managing editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. There, you can read all of our latest reviews, listen to all of our latest podcasts, watch all of our latest videos, learn about our Blister Plus membership, sign up for our upcoming Blister Summit 2024, and a whole lot more. Now, today, we are following up last week's episode where we looked back at 2023's Gear of the Year, and now we're looking forward at 2024, and we're going to attempt to predict what's in and what's out, what trends will be revived, what categories will see the most change, and some various other tangents that you've probably come to expect at this point. Joining me in today's trend forecasting mission are Kara Williard, Justin Bob, and Jonathan Ellsworth. Speaking of forecasting, this episode of Gear 30 is presented by OpenSnow, which is our favorite weather app. Now, throughout the winter, I check Open Snow multiple times a day, whether it's because I want to see if there's any fresh snow on the horizon or I want to see what temperature it's going to be exactly 27 hours from now, or I want to see how much cloud cover there will be at 2 p.m. in three days because we're planning a photo shoot. Whatever it is, I use it all the time. I also absolutely love for the iPhone users out there, OpenSnow now has a widget you can put on your home screen. And I have basically hated every single widget I've ever used. That is by far my favorite one. Anyway, if you haven't done so already, you can try OpenSnow's full range of features for yourself by heading over to opensnow.com blister. By doing so, you can test drive all of their best features with a free, full access, extended trial that runs through January 31st, 2024. That's opensnow.com blister. And we will also include a link in the show notes of this episode. With that, let's get to our predictions for 2024. All right. Well, we are back with the same crew from last week where we went over our gear of the year for 2023. And now we're going to attempt to look into our proverbial crystal balls and predict the gear and gear trends for 2024. So we are once again back with Justin Bob, Kara Williard, and Jonathan Ellsworth, thank you all for being here. Thank you, Luke. All right. So I think what we'll start with is kind of a, I feel like a standard way to approach these sort of predictions this time of year and just go over what's in for 2024 and what's out for 2024. Jonathan, would you like to start? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Well, this could also be called the broken record award, uh, perhaps. But um, what's in for 2024 is going to be a continuation of 2023. That means more BOA or more ski boot buckle alternatives, right? Um, one or both of those things, but that is not going away. For, so for all the people who are sick and tired of hearing about alternatives to ski boot buckles, uh, you're in for a rough 2024. That's my prediction. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I had that on my list as well. How about you, Kara? Yeah, I think to follow up with that, I mean, we will see Boa on more boots with more lasts. I think that's obvious. Um, I'm also really curious to see how they integrate Boa into touring boots because I feel like that's like a pretty decent application. Like it's a bit heavier, but it also seems like it could work pretty well in some instances. 
And then I'm also thinking that maybe, and I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but if they started making slightly smaller boa dials for smaller boots, because I feel like those boa dials on like a size 22 seem really huge and kind of like could get in the way, especially like with really high edge angles. Um, So yeah, we'll kind of see just how this whole boa thing unfolds and hopefully they start to kind of make some adaptations for different types of boots and even different sizes of boots. We'll see. Mm -hmm. To be clear, Kara, though, I mean, boa closures have actually been kind of staples on touring boots before they kind of made the jump to the Alpine boot market, right? Yeah, I think you're, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you're totally right, Jonathan. I just feel like there's just going to continue to be more boas and like for uh, certain Alpine touring boots that maybe haven't seen boa yet um and are still using buckles i feel like all of that will continue to translate over how about you j bob you you as we went over in last week's episode skiing is finally catching up to snowboarding in the boa department and as a self-described lifelong boa fan what about you in terms of what's in for 2024 on the snowboard side um i have a few general things and i do want to follow up with the the boa conversation a little more towards the end when we start talking about um, most innovation and I guess hope for change. Um, I have a few thoughts on that, but I think one of the big things we might try to see is more banked slaloms, more events. It seems like those are pretty popular in the, the snowboard culture and have been, but it seems like there are more grassroots banked slaloms popping up at a lot of different mountains. And it seems like a good way to get all ages out and get snowboard community in on it. And uh, I also think Baggy is back and will continue Mm. to grow. We'll see Baggy clothes and hoodies. And uh, that's maybe back from the past, but I think it'll continue through 2024. And I think we're going to see a lot more. I mean, this trend has already been growing a lot but we're going to see more selfie sticks and more pov drone edits by the way i like how you just dumped all of your predictions in like i just did one of mine i thought we were taking turns but j bob just <laughs> dumped his entire wheelbarrow Great. out right away okay efficiency yeah. um, <laughs> you think you think we'll see an uptick in selfie stick videos i do i think edits are getting more popular they're more easy to produce the technology is getting better more people want to share whatever they're doing at all levels. Obviously, the POV drone edits are probably limited to the, the higher uh, levels of riding and whatnot. But yeah, I think it's just people want to film themselves and show their families and friends. I so. think it's selfie sticks. We'll probably see more camcorder edits too. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> if anyone listened to our crafted episode. With yeah, Luke will Luke. be out there with the Sony High <laughs> 8 or whatever it is. <laughs> I am trying to figure out how to attach it to some sort of a pole, <laughs> but that, that's still TBD. <laughs> but yeah, I think with especially with 360 degree cameras becoming so common, you can just stick those on a stick in your backpack and it's almost like you're being followed by a drone. And huh. so like I agree there. I think that will huh. continue to be become more and more popular, even though I kind of hate how it tends to make everyone look like they ski super backseat. Like I... I love Nikolai Shermer's videos. He's he just does an amazing job from an aesthetic perspective, but I know he's a better skier than he looks in certain POV shots because it just mm. makes makes you look like you're leaning super far back. And I think I'm one of like 
I don't know, 50 people in the world who notices that. Hey, I don't know if I told you guys, but um, GoPro actually reached out to me and I'm now a, uh, a new GoPro athlete. They heard I was going to be getting into snowboarding this season and they wanted to sign me uh, quickly before the competition got to it. So um, yeah, so anyway, I just signed a fat contract with GoPro. And uh, but it's just for my snowboarding edits. Nice. So, That's like um, the gateway to Red Bull. <laughs> well, Red Bull, Red Bull wants to see how a few of the GoPro edits go. <laughs> you know, but but GoPro just they they knew they they knew what a diamond in the rough this is going to be. And so anyway, proud to announce that new sponsorship of mine here on Gear Thirty. I do think we should put a GoPro on you whenever we are able to film that video once we get enough <laughs> reviews because mostly for the audio. <laughs> I'm so scared. By the way, so our count, I looked this morning, we're 16 reviews away. Like it's getting very real now. And turns out I actually still do have a broken arm that maybe I'll talk a bit about more later. And so I'm like, man, um, stakes are getting high, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Also, since I'm just in tangent land right now, this is the best thing that's happened to me, I don't know, in, certainly in 2024. We just posted this blister cinematic conversation about Out Cold, and one of the stars of the film is Todd Richards, like legendary snowboarder. I woke up this morning to a DM from Todd saying that episode was amazing bravo i have so many amazing stories about the filming of that movie with zach galifianakis and the rest absolute highlight of 2024 so far for me so there you go what were we talking about were we supposed to be predicting <laughs> in, things ins and outs of 2024 but jonathan's already starting right. it on a high which is good uh on my end yep one J Bob, I'd be stoked to see more bank slaloms especially ones that allow skiers in too uh my friends and I made, well, allegedly made one. Uh, I think it was my first or second year in CB, and it was one of my favorite days ever. It was a blast. It was janky as all hell, but it was super fun. So, all on board for that. In terms of the what's in for 2024, I think we're going to see more playful skis being produced and specifically by companies who may have had kind of a hole in their lineup, especially the bigger brands. Um, we've already had like Alon came out with the Playmaker series last year. And we've had like Fisher's Nightstick, Nordica's Unleashed series. I think we're going to continue to see that because I think for a lot of brands, like there was the maybe a bit of a revival of like directional metal laminate skis within the past few years and free ride is huge. But the more easygoing, freestyle inspired, but maybe not freestyle specific category, I think that's the next one to see a bit of growth next year. Does anyone else have any other recommendations for what's in for 2024? Yeah, I've got, I've got two. Um, so Luke just mentioned that we'll be seeing more playful skis. I think we're going to see more of a focus or a continued sort of rejuvenation of interest in skinnier skis. And I think that means both manufacturers' interest in making skinnier skis and the 
you know, the general recreational skier's interest in those skis. And what I specifically mean is narrower, truly all mountain skis. We, I think we coined that phrase, like, cause everybody calls their fucking frontside skis all mountain skis. And we've been for years, like, that's not an all mountain ski. And then I think somewhere along the way, we just started using a double hyphenated, truly all mountain. Like, you can actually go ski punchy snow on these things and not blow your knees out. Um, I think that will continue. I think it will continue in part because of our climate situation that we're in. Um, and that is, that is just a prediction. That's not from like, I, I, you know, having seen what is coming down the pike in, for 2024 or 2025 from a lot of brands. Um, I know some of that stuff. But this is just based on that's what I believe that we will see more activity in that narrower, by which I guess I'll define that as 90 millimeters and skinnier, truly all mountain category. And some of these skis, this is now both a prediction and a hope that I've talked about for a while. These aren't going to look like dad race skis. You know what I mean? Like they'll have like we get used to give Black Crows credit for this, right? They would make skinny skis that actually looked cool and didn't look like you were trying to, you know, sneak into a World Cup GS race or something. So anyway, that's that's a bit of a prediction of mine. Yeah, I'd say Luke, you're no, skeptical? I'm not, not skeptical necessarily. I think it's I think you can make that prediction based off especially some of the skis we've been skiing this season, like there are several in that like kind of 86 to 92 range that I would be very happy skiing all over the mountain mm -hmm. and not by that. I don't just mean skiing all the groomers like skiing moguls, trees, punchy off piece, snow, that sort of thing. Yeah. My final prediction for 2024 is uh, I just wrote down, we're going to see more people going both ways, by which I mean trying skis and snowboards i think like obviously i've been talking about getting on a board for i don't know a year year and a half now but like we saw drew peterson right put out a video where he was on a snowboard um i know a, a a lot of the snowboarders i know have also been for some years including j bob like dabbling on the ski side of things but i think we're just going to continue to see the blurring of like it's okay to get on both or try both and a continued diminishment of sort of hardcore camps of like, I only ski or I only am on a snowboard. I mean, Luke, your whole thing with pow surfing, I'm not predicting that pow surfing becomes some mainstream hit, but I, I think we will continue to see people uh, be willing to just try different gear and different ways of sliding around on snow, I very much think that will continue to be the case, as opposed to, certainly as opposed to a reduction of that, where everybody's running back to their tiny little camp. All right, well, we just covered what we think will be in for 2024. What do you all think is out for 2024? What do you think we will see less of, we will see none of? Kara, do you want to start? Sure, and this is something that is kind of just me optimistically putting it out there and hoping it comes to fruition. But for the brands that are still offering like women specific skis with different construction. Yeah. And so for those brands that are offering those women specific skis, and if they are going that route, 
hoping that they produce something that's longer than a 170 centimeter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting where some seem to top out there, but then some, yeah, it's, it's kind of all over the place. Kara, I mean, let me just ask, why? I mean, if we're starting to move into lengths of 174 or 176, you're, in other words, you don't want to see those skis just move to a unisex construction? Well, I think it goes brand by brand here, but there is still several brands that are focusing on like women-specific mm-hmm. design. And I think to limit or like top out that women-specific design at a shorter length kind of just feels very I limiting. See. Like for women who want to yep. seek out the women-specific ski and then the longest length they're offered in is a 170. And so then they're like, well, maybe I should just get the men's version or the unisex version, which is a completely different ski. I just think gotcha. it's a bit limiting and kind of like diminishing to going that women-specific route. Right. So your point is, if you're going to bother to do is like, these are our women's skis, we'll then make actual ski lengths to accommodate more women. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. How about you, J-Bob? What's out for 2024? This is a hard one for me. I can't really think of much that is uh, going out. It seems like it's just diversifying a bit and all the little uh tidbits of snowboarding that have existed in the past haven't really gone away they've just kind of existed in small little pockets and um that one's a hard one for me i will talk again about another thing that's in for 2024 though to just throw a loop in this whole thing is cold plunging i think that's going to be pretty popular dear lord we just shifted to the andrew huberman (laughs) podcast (laughs) i mean cold plunging i feel yeah that's that's a big one j-bob I want a cold plunge in HQ. You want a cold plunge in HQ? Yeah, or just one I can easily access. I love it. Nice. <laughs> really? <laughs> you, Luke, you're a cold plunger? I mean, not regularly because I don't have access to one. But what I have, like, even just like for a few months, I would take a cold shower every morning. And I hated doing it at the time. But every time afterwards, I would feel amazing. And it was like borderline a replacement for coffee. You might want to look into it. Dear for Lord, that this is the worst conversation I've now officially ever had in my life. What about um, so much blasphemy? <laughs> Another little diversion here, but what about jerseys? Do you guys see people sporting like basketball jerseys on the slopes much anymore? I I'm, feel like that's kind of going away. I, I feel like that never went away in that's Colorado. Still a thing? You will see Broncos and Avalanche jerseys everywhere. I don't know. They're. But I, I wouldn't, I mean, if, we, if we're talking about now trends, I don't think the trend of the basketball jersey or the hockey jersey or the football jersey, I don't think that's increasing. I don't think we're seeing more of it. I'm not sure that it's decreasing, but the people who like rocking a jersey are still committed to rocking a jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I think that's one of the great consistencies within <laughs> the ski and snowboard world is that there will always be jerseys out there. Yeah. And people riding with no shirt or a t-shirt for absolutely no reason when it's like 20 degrees. I've seen a lot of that <laughs> in the past week. Wow. Okay. How about well, you, Jonathan Archer? What's, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's get back on track. What's out for 2024? Um, I wrote dogmatism. And I specifically mean this in two particular ways. Um, I think that we will see less of people, specifically old people, claiming that nobody needs a ski wider than 85 millimeters. And now I know I just said 
uh, above, I think we are going to see more truly all mountain skinnier skis being made. And I'm all for that. That's great. But this was, as I was thinking about what's out, we used to see a lot more of this. The like, I don't know what all these kids are doing on their hundred millimeter wide skis out there. And that I think those people are either dying which, you know, sometimes it's good for us to die and move on and like leave it for the next generation. I'm not against death. You know what I'm saying? And there's a, there's a lot of societal uh, bigger issues where old people dying is is not the worst thing. It's actually a positive. Right. Let's just let's keep it real on Gear 30. Right. Jonathan Ellsworth, pro death, <laughs> pro death, pro death. Um, in some instances, <laughs> so especially around dogmatism or, you know, things like racism. Right. This is where, like, let's, we started down this road, like, old people dying off, it's gonna help racism be dead. That's how this works. Good job, younger people, with fewer antiquated ideas of the past and human equality. This, see, this is what I mean. So, I think, in 2024, we will continue to see a reduction of old people whining or complaining or claiming that nobody needs a ski wider than fill in the blank 85 millimeters wide 90 millimeters wide in part because some of those people are dying in other parts some of those people are just coming around and it's good i also applaud learning at any age right learning shouldn't stop here's to getting older and learning and changing our belief systems so that's one i'm gonna keep going because i think i'm on a roll the other reduction in dogmatism is old people claiming that only super skinny skis are good on groomers. And for this, I submit as evidence a recent Gear 30 episode that we had with Ted Ligety. Again, one of the most accomplished carvers ever, I think we can safely say, where Ted claimed that his everyday ski is more than 90 millimeters wide. There you go. I rest my case. Mic drop. Apologies to old people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> on the the wider ski front, and especially in terms of carving, like we've had some very firm groomers here lately yeah. because like basically everywhere in North America right now, we haven't gotten a ton of recent snow. And over the holidays, you have a lot more people, a lot more people skidding turns down groomers. They end up yeah. firm and scraped off. And while we have been testing a lot of dedicated pieced skis, yes, I've been blown away by a few hundred-ish millimeter underfoot all mountain skis. And while I'm sure they're like they're never going to be as quick edge to edge as those skinnier skis, yeah. and certain skiers are going to prefer them on really firm snow, but there are clearly a few hundred-ish underfoot all mountain skis that I prefer on icy snow than some sub 80 underfoot carving skis i don't i i feel like i have more to experiment with that front and i don't know yeah. exactly why but there are yeah there are some skis that just feel way more intuitive to me and my skiing style when it comes to initiating a turn and maintaining edge hold in a predictable manner when the snow is really firm and challenging yeah and i just because i know some people are going to be all fired up and mad at me so to be clear, what I am saying here is a reduction in dogmatism. So, like, when it hasn't snowed for a while, 
I do really like getting on a skinny ski and that can be fun. But the idea that we just make claims like anything over 80 millimeters wide or 70 millimeters wide is inferior to everything to make to underscore your point, Luke, is inferior to everything skinnier to that. That's just not true. And again, this is where things like nuance can be really helpful and, you know, being anti-dogmatism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like, yeah, on the flip side, as you mentioned, I have been skiing mostly narrower skis. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going out on, I don't think I've been out, out on anything over 106 underfoot in the past few weeks because yeah. I enjoy it less because there are, there are upsides yeah. to both sides. And yeah, I'm all for decreasing dogmatism and accepting nuance. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great to hear, Luke, that you're not on the side of dogmatism. So I'm glad we established that. Yeah, today. I think I would have been yeah. fired a long time ago. Yes. Uh, okay. On my end, I believe that I could either be spot on with this one or like five years off. But I think maybe next year we will see fewer, less of a dominance of the monochrome outerwear kit. Personally, I still like that look a lot. I know a lot of people who do. And I would not be surprised if actually it's it r- continues to increase in popularity next year. But I feel like we are going to hit a plateau on that and people are going to get back to mixing and matching a bit more, not being uh, totally matchy-matchy top to bottom, which I think has been kind of the trend on the newer stuff. For the past few years so we'll see if i am totally right or wildly wrong for the next five years or more hmm. all right so we kind of alluded to this earlier especially with what j bob was talking about on the baggy clothing side but i've been thinking a lot about the trend cycle and how uh, so many things just will come back up in usually 20 to 40 years And I think that's very obvious on the clothing side right now. So what trends do you all think will be revived in 2024? Kara, would you like to start? Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting to look at those trend cycles, Luke. And now that we were talking about baggy clothing, I'm just thinking back to kind of what else was really um, on par with the baggy clothing. And like, I think back to my Solomon SPK or some of these like really uh, sort of soft park boots or boots with two buckles and that's why it was pretty uh, nostalgic to see phenom release their recent boot lineup which we posted about and it's not necessarily uh, a solomon spk but it kind of has some of those attributes and i think it's just interesting because i know people have missed that boot i still have people who talk about like oh that's the best boot i ever skied for my specific application and what i do and obviously, that's like a very niche market. Um, but I still think it's cool to see some of these things kind of come back, probably improved. But, you know, it's a two buckle boots back there on the market for people who are interested in that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to check them out. And yeah, the SBK and then the Ghost had a very passionate cult following, despite um, what I'm assuming were not the sales to back that up. But uh, yeah, I'm curious to try those new boots. They look very interesting. J-Bob, how about you? What's coming back this year? Um, This was also a tough one for me, but what I hope to come back is full zip bibs because I like being able Mm. to take them on and off without having to slide a boot through the bottom cup. 
Uh, they don't seem to be around anymore. I still have a pair of uh, old Ski Patrol pants from Patagonia that are rock solid, full zips. And I'm, I've kind of missed that technology. I want to see it applied to more, especially in a world where I think bibs are an increasing trend and getting only more popular. But in that popularity, the full zip is not part of that. So it makes me a little hmm. sad. We we might need to we might need to create a new like category because that was not a prediction. It was just like our wish list. What's our greatest wishes for the new year? But um, anyway, we'll work on that maybe for next year. Hey, if someone makes those wishes come true, okay. Um, I got nothing. So you guys go ahead. Um, for once, I'm speechless. Okay. Well, I think in terms of the the fact that. We're seeing a lot of like late 90s, early 2000s trends come back. I think first off, we're going to see more companies making the super dorky small speed shades. Uh, Oakley's already done it. They brought the eye jacket back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pit Viper came out with their own. And I think those two kind of led the revival of really high coverage sunglasses. And then every single brand picked those up. I don't think it'll be as widespread as that, but I wouldn't be surprised if some larger brands start putting out like deliberately what I think are hideous sunglasses, but they're also kind of hilarious. So in mm. in line with that, frosted tips coming back and no. those uh, no. spiky helmet covers with like all the dongles <laughs> hanging off the top, those are coming back too. So it'll be a bad year for aesthetics next year, but wow, it'll be oh, funny. Yeah, I was all I was all excited when J Bob said baggies coming yeah, back but the frosted really, tips coming back really now i'm i might be anti 2024 now <laughs> i like how all of these trends are not practical no. <laughs> at all like like tiny speed shades are not practical baggy clothes are super hard to ski in it's just it's so silly well i guess it depends on how baggy we're talking but yeah yeah i'd we'll far see. rather err on the side of baggy than skinny <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, I think. What would, Luke, would you agree with that? Or are you on the other side of that? I like equation? a good fit. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not dogmatic when it comes to clothing fits. I like a good fit that's somewhere in the middle usually, and I think that's what we'll return to in like five to ten years. I think baggy is the it's the thing for now, but I think it's gone. Uh, like certain brands, I think gone a bit overboard and. I mean, those kind of brands are always going to exist, like Harlow Apparel. They're never going to make a skinny pant. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I like a kind of middle of the road fit. But in terms of, I think our last question will wrap up with what product category or more general terms do you think we'll see the most innovation and or the most change relative to where it's at now? Jonathan, do you want to kick this one off? Actually, I want you to go first, Luke. I'm curious what your number one is and whether we might agree on it. I have a few. I think... Uh, your number one, though. Just give me your number one. Yeah, it's, it's both a major change and to a lot of people, probably not a big change is outerwear. Like Because of the rules uh, surrounding mm -hmm. PFAS chemicals, yeah. there is a legally required change to just about yeah. all the outerwear relative to how it was constructed a few years ago. And the fact that like Gore-Tex has to change their, basically their formula that they've been using forever doesn't conform with these rules. And so we're already seeing like uh, Patagonia has several PFAS-free Gore-Tex jackets this year. 
they're still kind of early stages on that relatively because Gore is such a massive producer on the uh, waterproof outerwear side. But that is a mandatory change. And people for the whole backstory and the timeline on that, people can listen to our episode with outdoor research on PFAS chemicals. Uh, yeah. But I think that's one that's just it will it will happen. 2024 won't be everything is converted, but I think it'll be a big push from a lot of brands. That's the right answer, Luke. And that's what I had. And, and yeah, you you nailed you nailed that answer. Um, does anybody disagree with that as kind of the number one answer to the question? Okay. Yeah. Any alternative answers, J Bob? Um, again, I'm going into wish list territory over here <laughs> just to get Jonathan pretty excited. But um I think one thing that's been lacking in the snowboard boot category is more variation of liners and hearing all this talk about zip fits makes me pretty mm. interested in either trying an existing zip fit liner in a snowboard shell and see if there's just like something that would fit or if uh zip fit was ever interested in developing a snowboard boot liner um, it seems like uh, snowboard boots, the outside, the shell deteriorates pretty quick. And a lot of that is just walking around, uh, holding your snowboard edge on the lift with your foot that's not strapped in can kind of slice through the material. And I always end up with destroyed boots after one or two seasons with perfectly good liners. And so it'd be pretty nice to hmm. have a liner that you can just rely on, depend on for years and years and maybe have ability to swap shells uh, with one liner. And I like the idea of zip fits being pretty customizable. And yeah, that's that's part of my wish list. Wait, okay. This is, wait. First of all, did you just introduce an entire new product category for zip fit? Potentially, like you may have just doubled their business. Second, what are the current, what there aren't, aftermarket options for snowboard boots at all right now there are and, and most boots will come with like you know a higher end boot will come with like an intuition liner you know that the intuitions are pretty limited on their custom ability and they do pack out quite a bit so you have to start pretty mm -hmm. small they're going to just keep packing out huh. if you're a snowboarder that drives in their snowboarding boots like me you're you're putting a lot of <laughs> unnecessary flex on them just kidding <laughs> no, you aren't. What do you mean? Just you just said that for like legal reasons. <laughs> I know some snowboarders who use hard boots and have gotten a zip fit before. Um, in their hard boot. Yeah, I have heard mm -hmm. of that. that putting putting them in like phantom shells or. But regardless, I'd love to take on the snowboard boot zip fit challenge with you, J Bob. We should do this. Yeah. <laughs> zip. Well, zip fit definitely needs to come out with this liner, and it should be called the J Bob or the J Bobber. <laughs> no. We'll find a different name. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait a sec. Predictions about hard boots for snowboarders, J-Bob. Will that trend increase, decrease, or stay exactly the same in the way that we predicted jersey wearers? That's not increasing or decreasing. We're predicting it's staying exactly the I same. I think for splitboarders and people who are primarily snowboarding in the backcountry, will that trend will increase i hear nothing but good things about it um and a lot of the benefits it sounds like i've never been on a pair of hard boots for split boarding but it sounds like the benefits are 
pretty clear on the touring side of it where you get a lot more rigidity. You're able to edge in side hilling a lot more. Kick turns are easier and the compromise on the way down isn't really that apparent. Um, they have developed flex, you know, especially with Phantom, um, more flex profiles that are kind of in line with a snowboard boot, which is a little different than a ski boot. So back in the day when people were using essentially ski boots and applying them to snowboarding, you were getting a limited lateral flex, which you kind of need to bend your knees the right way. So I think they're starting to figure that out a bit more. Um, it just seems faster, a lot more lightweight. Um, you can put crampons on for the serious like snowboarders that are trying to do mountaineering. It seems like hard yeah. boots kind of the move. Okay. How about you, Jonathan? I think we have to talk about the changes and innovations that are going to continue to happen in ski materials and snowboard materials. We have not talked about it yet in this in this conversation, but the whole industry interest in recyclability that we will only continue to hear more talk about in 2024. And I am predicting we will see more rollouts, not just talk about it, but hey, these new boards or these new skis have are now being made with these new materials that are more recyclable. That is something we will see more of in 2024, um, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that makes sense. And yeah, recyclable and recycled. Like just this year, we saw edges, base materials, top sheets yeah. that all featured at least some part that was recycled, a percentage. Um, so yeah, I think that's a a very safe bet. Agreed. And I mean, just to follow up with that, I think for me, the biggest innovation I just see it as like macro across sort of every product in this outdoor industry but um not just recyclable but also just more transparency like for consumers who are interested in like where these materials are coming from and maybe like what the carbon footprint of these materials are i think brands are getting better at talking about that um telling that story and then actually being able to like divulge more information about how these products are being manufactured yep Mm -hmm. all right well with that i think we will just go right into our crashes and close calls segment I think we've got a two for this week uh, on my end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came back from the holidays, uh, was home, uh, and then slowly made my way back to Crested Butte. As people may know, I don't love the travel experience. I like being <laughs> in places that I know well. It, it, it messes with my mind when I'm kind of away from my home base. And uh, we also had uh, a lot going on last week. And so I finally mm-hmm. got back on Friday. Went out for, I think, the last 40 minutes of the day and hadn't skied at CB in a week. It had changed a fair bit since I had last skied it. And the runs that had been pretty good were now basically refrozen, like really, really firm. And uh, I had run into a friend on the way to the base area uh, who I hadn't seen in a while, but she asked what I was doing. I was like, I'm going to go hate ski some moguls to try and de-stress. Uh, which usually works, but not when they're refrozen and you refuse to dial back whatsoever. Uh, so I took three runs and on two of them, I popped out of my bindings. Uh, the first two. one was just skiing, but it was just so chattery that eventually uh, double ejected and just slid on my butt about 40 feet. 
Uh, thankfully, he stopped before the cat track that was at the bottom of that run. And then my last run of the day, I uh, did a little mogul gap that I'd been liking, was doing the same thing, trying to shut down speed, and then popped out again. And I just, <laughs> I was so mad at that point. I just screamed like, are you fucking kidding me? And then as I'm getting <laughs> my skis, I look and there's just like a family of tourists like right next to me. <laughs> just like, this guy's having a mental breakdown right now. Um, but fortunately, no serious injuries. My shoulder did hurt for a few days. I have been, knock on wood, pretty lucky in terms of not having shoulder injuries, but it did make me realize how <laughs> like close I could be anytime I crash. Um so that's that's a happy story. Jonathan, how about you? Yeah. Well damn dude. Stop popping out of your skis and uh I'm glad your shoulder isn't worse. Um well yeah my story as you know regular listeners of Gear 30 will know last week I had to actually peel off of our gear 30 episode to go get an x-ray again on this arm of mine and i if i haven't gone back and like listened to our conversation but i'm pretty sure i was just like yeah i'm just they made me come back this is kind of the sign off you're good to go and um so i signed off with you guys i went immediately to the urgent care clinic and got a new x-ray and they're like um yeah this arm isn't healed yet and in fact, you've displaced the radial head. And I got a very stern talking to because I have been skiing and I didn't have one crash while skiing. Now, admittedly, like we were skiing a lot of moguls and some pretty firm moguls, but at no point was I ever like skiing like, oh my God, like I had some stabbing pain in my arm. Never happened once. And, um, but you know, so they're like, cool, you, this isn't healed. You've displaced the radial head a little bit, not, not a lot, but they're like, if you don't chill out and you displace this further, you will be headed to surgery. And so now, uh, and you know, yes, I'm thinking a lot about our blister plus stuff and the injury insurance. And again, like I'm, this is my story, right? Seven now, now seven and a half weeks ago, I'm mountain biking down in Hartman's. You know, go over the handlebars, mountain biking, and the crash was bad. But I was like, okay, swollen elbow, whatever. Got it checked out. the The first round of X rays, they're like, yeah, you broke it. You should be good in six weeks. Well, I wasn't good, and I now have had three X rays. And now they're like, you have to go get physical therapy on this. And then, so, so we're just thinking about the bills, right? Or like if I didn't have blister plus. So now I've had three visits to urgent care for three x-rays. I'm now going to be going for freaking physical therapy. And if I manage to screw this up, which I'm not even entertaining the possibility of this, I'll have to go have surgery on this fucking arm. So like, Again, I, I think, you know, it's just stuff to keep in mind. Like, this stuff can escalate. We don't know how this stuff works or how it can go. And Luke had came out of his bindings twice and got away pretty unscathed. I went over the bars once, and this is my situation. So anyway, that's it. And um, I don't know. I'll keep you posted. And I'm actually supposed to leave this week for a product launch thing in Utah. I'm like, Mostly all I'm thinking about is I'm skiing at the summit. I don't care. Like, like 
whether the arm is broken or whether I have to go get surgery after, like I'm skiing at the summit. So I don't know. That's my, that's my world. Um, I don't know if that counts as a crash or close call or sob story, but that's where we are. Yeah. I'm trying, I was trying to come up with another word that could alliterate, but, uh, drawing a blank maybe next week. Uh, but I think, but, we'll- but you know what? I was actually, I was, I was talking to Luke Jacobson at Moment Skis yesterday and he was asking me more questions. He actually peppered me for like an hour with questions about like how the, the blister plus injury insurance works. And I was explaining all of this to him and some of the stuff he just wasn't clear on the details. But so I guess I'll say it again, because if Luke was confused about this, maybe some other people are too. All of the treatment that I just talked about, right? The three x-rays, you know, that I've gotten, the physical therapy, that all will be 100% covered. I will pay nothing. And Luke was talking about a different insurance thing that he's familiar with. He would have had to pay probably already $1,000 out of pocket for what I've had, like what I've had, the treatment I've had so far. So anyway, um... If you don't know, that's why we talk about it a lot. And unfortunately, I'm currently a poster boy for how this works. You're welcome. Yeah, here's to hoping that in 2024, we don't have to provide as many firsthand accounts. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, but with you popping out of skis and me being me um, and starting snowboarding, yeah, um, we'll see. I'm not holding my breath. With that, I will close out this episode of Gear 30. Thank you to Kara, Jonathan, and J-Bob for the conversation. A second thank you goes to J-Bob for producing this episode. And the last thank you goes to all of you for listening. As always, take good care of yourselves and everyone else. And we will talk to you again next week. See ya. Bye. Good job, Luke.